You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I have a friend who's a Lutheran pastor out in San Angelo, Texas, and a really good, decent man. And I walked into his office one day out there, and he was hammering away at his computer. And I said, Bill, what are you doing? He turns and looks at me and says, I'm working on Sunday service. I said, it's a special Sunday. I said, it is. And he went just like this, turned around and he spun around in his chair and sat and looked at me and said, you charismatics. Y'all celebrate Pentecost every Sunday. You don't even know that this is Pentecost Sunday coming. Amen. I said, well, yeah. And your point is? We do, we do celebrate. His wife was a tongue talker, so he understood me. And uh, this is Pentecost Sunday. Now I want to take, take you to Acts chapter 2, if you will. And this is the very first Christian Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Very first Christian Pentecost Sunday. Oh, they have a Pentecost every year. Last year, Miss Ann and I were uh, in Israel at Pentecost. We were there. It was a big deal. They make a big deal about it over there still. We make a big deal about it here too, but not in the same way. We celebrate a little bit differently than they celebrate. We celebrate the, the advent of the Spirit. They're, they're not, the, the Jews don't celebrate the advent of, of the Spirit. They, they, they're celebrating something else, and all Jews do this. Jesus told the disciples, Wait in, this, in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He promised them that the Spirit of God was going to come. And he said, wait in Jerusalem until. Now, apparently not everybody did because there were only 120 people there. 500 people had seen him risen from the dead, but only 120 made it to, the, to Pentecost. Now, they were gathered together in the upper room, what is called the upper room, where I have been, Miss Ann and I have been there, and I preached the gospel of the, of the Holy Spirit, the gospel concerning the Holy Spirit, in that upper room last year. It was a wonderful experience. Not a very big room. It's not near as big as this room. It's about a fourth the size of this room or a third the size of this room. And uh, there were people in there explaining it. There's a little group over there explaining it. Another group over here explaining it. Another group over here talking about the history of it. We were on our end speaking in other tongues, experiencing it again. And if you get the chance to experience or to have it explained Go with the experience, praise God. It's way better. But they were there. They were not at Pentecost gathered together to receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus did not tell them that's what was going to happen. That's when it was going to happen. He just said, stay in Jerusalem until. You understand? Why then were they gathered together? We know why they were in Jerusalem because Jesus had told them to stay but why then were they gathered together on that particular day? The reason they were gathered together on that particular day was because it was Pentecost Sunday. And that's what Jews do. They get together on Pentecost Sunday and they bring a first fruits offering. 
Praise God. Now listen, calm down. I'm not going to receive another offering. We've already had it. Don't lock the doors. Don't let anybody leave. We're not going to take up another offering. It's not what this message is about. But I will say that the Holy Spirit came honoring their giving. Amen. They were givers, so God was a giver in response to their giving. That's what they were there for. That's why Jews get together today, all around the world, yesterday and today, they will get together. This is the 50th day after Easter, what we call our Passover and resurrection of Christ. Pentecost means 50 days. 50 days. So, uh, let me just read this to you. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. Acts 2, 17. We're going to work our way through this entire passage. Peter stands up and preaches. You all know what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And some mocked them and said, you know, one thing and another. And then Peter stands up and gives explanation by way of preaching. And here's what he says. And it shall come to pass. He quotes from Joel the prophet Joel, chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, we may not know anything about the Bible. You may not know anything about the Bible. But you can, be rest, you can rest assured that the Bible predicts the days as the early days, the middle days, and the last days. The Bible talks about these days specifically. And you, we may not know exactly when they started. But one thing is for sure. If, they, if he called... Pentecost Sunday, the first Christian Pentecost, the last days. If Peter identified that as the beginning or somewhere near the beginning of the last days. We're really a lot closer to the last day. Amen. I'm bringing you some news today. The days are almost over. We are 2,000 years past that marker that he set on that day, the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days. The last days are not going to be full of, of hideous things. The last days are going to be full of the power of God manifesting in men and women and boys and girls. That's what the last days are about. I'm going to read all of this to you and show you what, it, what he was really saying. It shall come to pass in the last days. The last days. So we know that this is the last days. Saith God... I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. All now let me ask you something. Did, did everybody get the, the spirit poured out upon them or just 120? Oh, at first it was just 120. At first it was just 120. Now he's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh, but he's going to do it through the gathered church. People out in the countryside didn't get it. People who refused to gather together with God's people didn't get it. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. You're in church. This is all right. You can say amen. You're here. You made it. It didn't just happen to everybody. Although it said all flesh, what he's really saying is it will happen to anybody. that He will no longer discriminate between old and young and men and women. Anybody can get this, but you must be gathered with the church. I'm not saying you can't get it in your car, but that's not the normal way. The normal way is to get it when the, the people of God have come together. Are you hearing me? It didn't have, happen to everybody. It didn't happen to everybody, but it, it said all flesh. It means all people, all God's people are candidates, but there are conditions. 
Come on, look at somebody and say, you need to stay in church. All flesh means gender barriers are broken, praise God. Age barriers are broken, praise God. Now, they had no idea, Casey had no idea that I was going to be preaching like this today. But he proved that age barriers are broken this morning in our music. He sang all the songs he likes, then the last two he sang two songs I like. <laughs> Amen. That's something at church for everybody, praise God. That's something for you here. Something for your friends here. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I have a, I have a friend from a particular denomination, and I love this man, and he loves me. The only reason he and I are friends is because he found out I believed in eternal security. Because he believes that way. But mostly his whole denomination believes that way. But otherwise, he didn't like me, this thing about me speaking in tongues. So we had, a good, we had a good fellowship and all, and he was a really good dude. And I loved him, and I won't tell you where he goes to church, but you have to be baptized in their church to be part of their church. <laughs> I won't tell you what it was, but it starts with a B. Good people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy... And I read this verse to him one day, and he said, But Dr. Holler, you know that prophesied doesn't mean necessarily always predictive. It doesn't mean that, 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 that you're supposed to be prophesying and predicting the future and all. And I said, Oh, right. What, what do you think it means? He said, Well, it can mean that, but it really means speaking by inspiration, so that can just be preaching. Oh, okay. Tell me something, brother, then. Where's all your denominations of women, women preachers? He just stared at the Bible, trying to think of something to say. I said, where are you women preachers? If that's what it means. Gender bias was done away with 2,000 years ago when it comes to who can operate in the Holy Ghost. Age bias too. Young people, listen to your elders. We have a thing or two to say. Old folks, listen to the young people. They keep you fresh. They keep you from getting set in your ways. They're daring. They use their faith more than you do. Most of the time. Sometimes they use their stupidity more than you do. But, but we need each other. You understand? There should be no age bias. where Everybody has their own strength, their own something to bring to the table. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Amen. Amen. That's because old men sleep more than young men. <laughs> I slept 10 hours last night. How much sleep did you get? <laughs> Amen. God's idea is that we are all involved in the Spirit together. That's God's idea for the church. Be involved in the Spirit together. To stop letting stupid things that have kept the world divided forever, like racial bias, gender bias, all kinds of biases, age bias. We've got to get over that and get in the flow of the Spirit. Amen. Get involved in the Spirit together. And he mentions three things in particular. Prophecy, dreams, and visions. Prophesying, dreams, and visions. 
I teach a course at our, at our Bible college, the world's greatest Bible college, Christ for the Nations in Dallas. I teach a, a course called the Holy Spirit. It's a mandatory course for all first-year students. We dunk them quick. We immerse them really quick in, in the things of the Spirit. We have, from time to time, activation days in our classroom. Now, this classroom is huge. It seats 2,200 people, but I only have about four or 500 students in there. Mandatory class for all first-year students, so I have all the first-year students in that class, about four to 500 of them. And one day I said, well, we're going to pray in the Spirit a little while, so we just, we just started praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, praying, worshiping, singing, some of us. It sounded like a beehive. You know, that's... Uh, just a buzz all in the, big, uh, in the big room. And I said, somebody's got a word. Who, who, who's seeing something or hearing something? And I, the young man right back over here, he raised his hand. I said, stand up. And I happened to know him. His name is Vitaly. Vitaly. He's from Russia or someplace. Vitaly. I said, stand up, Vitaly. He, he said, I, I hear. What do you hear? He said, I hear. And I just have to do them this way. I teach them how to walk in the Spirit and how to activate the Spirit. Amen. Now, it's going to sound crude to you. It's going to sound harsh. But I'm not training babies. I'm training men and women of yes. God Amen. who know how to go out there and fight. Amen. I said, start. Say what's on your heart. He said, well, I feel like somebody over... You know, he said, somebody's called to missions. I said, the whole school's called to missions. Be more specific. <laughs> he said, uh, uh, called to... Uh, I don't know. I, yes, you do know. Say it. That's the way I was doing it. Like a drill sergeant, you know. He said, okay, okay, it's Argentina. I said, where are they? He said, uh, uh. I said, point. He, he just pointed over that direction. Pointed right from where he was, off over here. And two girls started weeping. Oh, God. Hogan looked and saw where he was pointing, pointing right at her, with this one girl. And the other one who knew her calling, I said, say more. He said, I think it's with children. She's, she's in, in convulsions. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> God had been dealing with her about going to Argentina and working with children as a missionary when she left, CF and I. Told her to get prepared. She didn't want to learn Spanish. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want, she didn't want the work. And this boy right back here understood that in the spirit and pointed her out. Amen. Are you hearing me? I had to make him do it, but I knew it was in him. Listen to me. This is in you. I knew he could do it because it was in him. God didn't have him raise his hand. He saw something vague. He thought all he got was a little bit. But when I pressed him, he dug deep and got what was really in there out. Are you hearing me? This is how you do it. This is how you activate in the spirit. You do not, do not be satisfied with generalities. They say, well, God wants to bless the world. Oh, I'm coming quickly. That's not a prophecy. That's you guessing. Everybody knows that's true. Are you hearing me? Be strong in it. We need to, we need to have a church that, that, that shakes this, the, the city with the power of God. Because we know what's going on. Prophecy. Dreams. I find that God's people don't pay attention to their dreams. You, you've been taught, oh, just blow that off. That's just a spooky, crazy dream. 
They never talked like that in the Bible. Did you notice they never talked like that in the Bible? In the Bible, they always talked like this dream means something. If, you're, if you remember the dream, it means something. Yes. You've got to find a way to get it interpreted and make it talk to you because God is talking to you about you mostly. In a dream, it's mostly about you. Dreams are mostly about you. Maybe other people involved, but mostly it's about you and your response to dream. It's very personal. Visions are about the world and about other people. And that's the third thing. Prophecy, dreams, and visions. How little of this do you find in the modern, modern church? When this is the first, hear me, the very first promise that's going to happen after the Spirit comes, the very first promise, and this promise was made 400 years before it actually happened in, in Joel chapter 2. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. That's how, that's how it's listed in, in Joel. Peter turns it around and says, Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams here in Acts chapter 2. Are you listening to me? These are the first prophetic promises concerning the Spirit. And how few do, you, do we see, how, how little do we see this operational in the church anymore? Dreams, visions, prophetic words. Amen. While prophecy is sometimes predictive, most of the time prophecy means to speak under the inspiration of the Spirit. It doesn't always mean, does not always mean that you're going to be predicting the future. Because sometimes it is just that. Just like the, like the bee preacher said. The bee preacher, my friend. It is just sometimes inspirational preaching. What I'm doing right now. Acts chapter 2 and verse 18 says, And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Upon who? Servants and handmaidens. So the, so the, the common people are going to get it too. Not just the landowner. The guy that works on the land is going to get it. Yep. Amen. The servants. Handmaidens. People that are working for a living. Amen. Amen. Even the slaves back then. Amen. They're going to get it. Everybody's going to get it. Who wants it, who will show up at the meeting. Yeah. Got to show up at the meeting though. He doesn't just pour it on everybody who's working out, out there. He pours it on those who show up at the meeting. Whether they're handmaidens and servants. Galatians 3.24 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, neither is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now that does not mean that you don't still have uh, position and responsibilities in this world. That are different one from the other. You do. We know that there is a difference between men and women, or Paul would not have gone into great length talking about the, the, the difference between men and women, how we should live together. But with, that, with respect to the Spirit, there is no difference. With respect to how we operate in the flow of the Holy Ghost, there is no difference. Acts chapter 2 and 19 says, And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What does that mean? Well, here's three more things he points out. Blood, fire, and smoke. Blood, fire, and smoke. In this context, what he's saying is, hear me, 
The blood of Jesus has covered your life. The fire is the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's what John prophesied, that tongues were fire. And that the only fire at Pentecost earlier in this chapter was that which set upon their head cloven tongues as a fire. That's the only time fire is mentioned. It's a direct reference to John prophesying, John the Baptist prophesying, that we would be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Come on, somebody help me here. Fire. You want to show the fire on your head? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> the blood means that you got born again. The fire means you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the smoke means that you are now out telling people. Where there's smoke, there's fire. The smoke is the witness of the fire. The smoke is the witness of the fire. The smoke is proof that there's a fire. Glory to God. Jesus said it like this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. For you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. So that means that because the Holy Ghost come, come, come on your life, came into your life, the smoke of that is your witness before God. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Born again, baptized with the Spirit, and witnessing. Praise God. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20. The sun shall be dark, turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. Before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. So this is going to happen before Jesus comes back. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the last days, the reason they talk about the last days is because that means there's going to come a last day. Nobody would talk about the last days if they didn't know there was a last day coming because it doesn't make any sense. It's not going to be a last day. Last days means nothing. Yeah. Are you understanding me? That, that last day is that great and notable day of the Lord. It's actually going to happen. It's a date on a calendar, and it will be a date on a, on a calendar. I think it's going to be Miss Ann's birthday. I don't know. I just think so. <laughs> For me, it's cataclysmic day. A wonderful day. In a good way, baby. I meant that in the, in the most positive. Meant that in the most positive way. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 37. I'll show you something interesting to help you define what it means. The sun shall be darkened and the moon turned into blood. Genesis 37:9. Here's how I interpret the Bible. I let the Bible do its own interpreting. I can tell you what I believe the sun means, what the moon means. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says it means as, as, as near as I possibly can. Genesis 37.9 says, And he, Joseph, that's Joseph is talking about, he, Joseph, dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren, brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me, that is, bowed down to me. Verse 10, And he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father re rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? As though he did it all of, all of his own. Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down thyself, ourselves to thee, to the earth? So who is the son here? The man of the house. Who is the moon? His wife. 
And the eleven stars are his brothers. The sun and the moon, the man and the woman. Back in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 20, it says, The sun shall be turned to darkness. That was Jesus when he died. And the moon, that's you, his bride, covered in blood. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Woo! That'll preach right there now. When the, the sun shall be turned into darkness, that's Jesus. When the lights went out on Jesus and the, the heaven went dark and the life of, his, of the Son of God left him, he was turned into darkness. He became sin for us. Whew. The darkness and the moon then into blood. We were, the blood of Jesus was applied to the church. His bride. Before that great notable day of the Lord. He wanted to get that done before judgment came. So when he sees you covered with blood, amen, there's no judgment upon you. Think about that. He covered you with the most precious thing in all of the universe, the blood of Jesus. You are covered by the blood. That means God has nothing to say to you about anything, anything pertaining to sin. That's powerful. Come on, say, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. and glad to be. Amen. Amen. That's all that means. The preachers like to take verses like this and terrorize God's people. Saying, oh, there's great darkness coming. No, darkness has already come, Bozo. Read the Bible. <laughs> Judgment came upon Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you can live free. Verse 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, well, that makes it easy. Just call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That's what it says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is the name so powerful? Well, again, the name is how you apply the blood. Listen to me. I was raised in a certain, certain tradition. You have heard me talk about it before. I'll just go ahead and say I was raised a Pentecostal. And so much about what I was raised in, I love and I appreciate. But sometimes it went weird, with, went crazy with certain things. Like pleading, pleading the blood all the time. They pled the blood over this, they pled the blood over that. I plead the blood. Now listen to me. That language is nowhere in the Bible. We never see the disciples do it. We never hear Jesus tell us to do it. We got it from our preachers. But it's no place in the Bible that we're ever commanded to talk like that. We do it all the time, but it's not in the Bible. I'm just telling you it's not in the Bible. I'm not going to, if, you do, if you've done it, I've done it. Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you have done it? All right. You, you did it because you were told to do it. But it's not in the Bible. That does not come from anywhere from in the Bible. Did you know that? It's just not there. What is, it, what is there is using that name. And when you use the name of Jesus... He is the only part of the Godhead that ever had blood. So when you use that powerful name, Jesus, you're applying the blood. Amen. You're applying the blood of the everlasting covenant when you use that last, that last day's name. God who at sundry times, Hebrews, Hebrews 1, 1, put that up there. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days, verse 2, spoken unto us, by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also He made the world. 
Woo, glory to God. When you apply that name, you apply the blood. Because Jesus' blood fixes everything. May whatever went wrong with man come right again. So that we shout from the housetop, the gospel is Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is the gospel. This is the promise of Almighty God. That he will never remember your sins. And he will never remember your sins again. Amen. Don't you wish you could forget it like he can? Yeah. How many of you have some things you wish you could just forget but haven't been able to yet? That's everybody in the house. Because you know why you can't forget it just like that? Because you're not God. That's an ability only God has. The devil is still trying to forget. The devil's trying to forget Resurrection Sunday. He wishes he could get that out of his head. He's, and he's really trying to forget Pentecost Sunday because he, oh man, what a day that was. Now he's got little Jesus is multiplied by the thousands everywhere all over the world. He's talking about a guy who lives in terror. The devil lives in terror because he couldn't stop what God was doing. When God made up his mind, now was the time, this is the hour, this is the day, God Almighty made it happen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10, and I'm almost done. I feel like I've already preached an hour, but it's just been a little while. Romans chapter 10. Talking about what Pentecost means to us. For me and Miss Ann, it's, it's, it's a special day over again because of our place here with you. I want you to know we're glad to be here. Amen. Amen. We're really glad to be here. Well, throw money then. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we're glad to be here. Glad to have you have us. Amen. Romans chapter 10. I want you to put it up on the board for me, Miss Whitney, if you would. Romans 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That means they're zealous of God, but they don't know why. You ever been mad and not know why? It, it's it's kind of like a mob mentality. You know, half the mob doesn't know why we're there. We just know all we know is we're mad. All lives matter, by the way. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone, to everyone, to everyone, to everyone who believes. Now, if you don't believe, he's not the end of the law for you. But he is the end of the law for everyone who believes. Amen for righteousness. Read the next verse. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them more. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. It talks like this. Do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above. Now listen to me. We have got to get over the slaves mentality and the separation mentality that most, most of Christianity has. 
saying things like, Oh Lord, please come and help us. This is saying, that is not how righteousness speaks. Righteousness does not, does not talk like, Oh God, come and help us. Righteousness does not, does not talk like that. What's talking there then if it's not righteousness? Unrighteousness. Hmm. That's the way unrighteous people pray. Oh God, you could help me if you would. That's not righteousness talk. That's not how the righteous talk. That's not how they pray. The righteous know that God is their father. And one thing I know about my daddy, I didn't have to beg him to help me. I didn't have to beg him to protect me. I didn't have to beg my dad to, to provide for me. That's his job. Where does religion get the idea we've got to plead the blood over everything and beg God all the time? When the Bible teaches us that that's not how righteousness talks. Righteousness believes that God is on your side and says boldly, God is on my side. But the righteousness which is the faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Let's bring Christ down from above. Read the next verse. Or who shall ascend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. What he's saying is Jesus does not have to do one more thing. Jesus does not have to do one more thing. Because what he already did provided victory for you in every realm of your life. Read the next verse. We're going to get to that verse. But what saith that the word is near you, even in your mouth? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want him, I want him to speak. No, 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 the word's in you. Amen. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Everybody say the word of faith. The word of faith which we preach. Which some of us preach. Few of us preach. How many of you went to church a long time and never heard the word of faith, faith, faith preached? Oh, oh, oh. Praise God. Read the next verse. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, his mouth or your mouth? That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be delivered or saved. Next verse. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. We were reading there. We're going to keep reading. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall never be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. We're going to read on. For whosoever shall call, this is where we were going. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bow your heads with me. Dear God, we thank you for this message today. Thank you for this message today. Thank you for what happened at Pentecost. Let's all pray together. Let's just start praying together. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Just open your mouth and start praying in the Spirit. Just go ahead and pray. Just pray. Just pray. I don't have to lead you in prayer. You've got the Holy Ghost inside you. Pray. Just pray. Somebody needs you to pray for them today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 